Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Wow, just touch, touch in your eyesight. Hey, I'm glad I'm here. Are you glad you're here? Yeah, there's this, uh, there's this thing that goes like this. How many of you would rather be here than in the best hospital in Athens County? then we're all glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad God is here. And I am expecting God to speak to us today. I know the Lord has something to say to you. So in your, in, at the back of your bulletin is kind of a note guide. I would encourage you to pull that out for a few reasons. One is because I know God's going to say something specifically to you uh, today that is going to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so you're going to want to kind of capture that perhaps uh, and make sure that you can go back and and reference that. Uh, I'm also going to share with you something that will help you learn a little bit about uh, this this discipleship thing. I know that uh, that, uh, uh, Christ Community Wesleyan Church is a church that is all about making disciples who make disciples. Uh, And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how do you progress along that discipleship journey, uh, and you're going to walk away today with something in your hand that you can share with someone uh, over a soft drink or a coffee or whatever it might be, pull out a napkin if they're saying, man, I can't figure out why I am struggling so hard uh, in this walk with Jesus. I thought it would be a whole lot easier than this. Uh, kind of for, for those who can remember this reference, kind of tiptoe through the tulips, right? Like, it should be easy. Why, why, is it, why am I so challenged in that? So today we're going to kind of dig into that, dive deep into this idea of what does it mean to really know who you are, whose you are, why it matters, and what it means. Uh, and then how do we put our full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, surrender everything we are to him so that he really and truly does become the Lord of our lives? What does that look like in a very practical way that it applies to us individually and then also gives you something that you can share uh, with someone else when you're in a conversation with them about their spiritual journey and help them kind of begin to see how God wants to work in their life. So with all of that kind of setup, uh, are you ready? That would be my first question. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. We're just going to take a breath. We're going to pause and we're going to allow ourselves to just listen to you. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us today. Give us minds that are ready to receive what we hear, uh, that can understand it, wrestle with it as necessary, come to grips with the truth of your word and how you want to work in our lives, and then give us hearts that are open and ready and willing to respond in faith and say, here am I, all of me nothing held back. Lord, we love you today. I'm your messenger. You're the preacher, actually, Holy Spirit. You're the one who delivers and guides all truth. And so we pray today that you would, I just ask and humble myself before you and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For about five years, 
of our lives. My wife and I, her name is Crystal, for about five years of our lives, we did itinerant ministry, which means we would travel around from place to place, speaking in churches, camps, that kind of thing, uh, doing music, doing messages, you know, whatever. And, and so we did that. Sometimes we would try to go together as much as possible as a family. There were times, however, that I had to go by myself. Uh, and so as I was packing up, getting everything together, getting in the car, getting ready to go, one of the last things that Crystal would say to me before I hopped in and headed out, she would say, hey, now, remember to whom you belong. Now, that's not some kind of distrust in me. That's not this statement that says, hey, I'm a little, little concerned about your character. What she was basically saying was, you need to understand when you're out and about in the world and you're doing your thing and you're preaching to people and they're coming up and telling you how great you are and all this stuff and, you know, you, don't get all lost in that. You need to remember that you are taken. You need to remember that you belong to someone. You first of all belong to Jesus Christ. Secondly, you belong to me as your wife. So as you're going out doing your thing and having all your fun, you just remember to whom you belong. Good advice, actually. So I think as we come together this morning as Christ's community, uh, maybe God has brought me here today to, to help us as collectively as well as individually remember to whom you belong. So in order to do that, you have to back that train up a little bit and you have to ask the question, well, who to whom do I belong? Right? How clear am I in terms of my sense of identity in Christ? Do I really understand who I am? Do I understand whose I am? Do I know why it matters? And do I really comprehend what it means? Otherwise, you find yourselves living spiritually, emotionally, in, in, in every way. You find yourself living with this identity crisis where you just kind of are confused. You're living in chaos. You can't quite figure out what life is really all about. And, and you just suffer and you struggle and, and you kind of work really hard at trying to, to be better at who you think you're supposed to be. And so today I want us just to kind of pull back from that and say, so whose am I? To whom do I belong? And what does that really mean in my life? And so in Colossians chapter 1, uh, there it is. When my preacher ADD kicks in, I set stuff down and can't remember where I put it. Colossians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open it, <coughs> excuse me, Open it there, Colossians chapter 1. If you have your uh, smartphone, your digital version, pull that out. I'm going to share with you quite a few scriptures uh, today as we go along, as we look at what God's Word has to say to us. But we're going to anchor ourselves in Colossians chapter 1. Because here in this first chapter of this letter that Paul is writing to this church, he, I think shares with them this prayer and, the, and this admonition that we could probably caption with the words, remember to whom you belong. Now, just a little bit of background, some context for the, for the scripture that we're going to look at. Paul had spent three years in, in ministry in Ephesus. And while he was in Ephesus, there was a gentleman by, by, a gentleman by the name of Epaphras, Ephesus, Epaphras, try to say that real quickly back and forth. Uh, but in chapter 1, verse 7, it talks about 
Epaphras, who came to know Jesus Christ in Ephesus, and while he was there, God transformed his life. He was sent off to Colossae, and he then delivers the gospel to this group of people in Colossae where a church is now birthed, and and they are growing in their faith, but somehow all the cares and concerns of the world have kind of come in upon them, and they've begun to listen to a variety of other teachings, other gospels, if you would, and they are now caught in this kind of confused state where they want to give themselves fully to the Lord Jesus Christ, but there is heresy that seems to be bleeding in because of all the confusion that they're listening to. There's kind of this this Judaic legalism where it's like, well, it's all about the rules and the regulations, and you got to do this, and you can't do that, and, and they're listening to all of that. That's kind of bleeding in. There's Gnosticism that is bleeding in. This is all covered in chapter 2 of Colossians, Gnosticism that is bleeding in, where they are basically diminishing the deity of Jesus Christ and saying Jesus Christ really, all he is is a personification of knowledge. And so the more you know about him, the, the more you have the opportunity then to be redeemed in him. It really comes down to how much do you know? And so Paul steps right into that and right out of the gate says, here's the reality of, 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 of your spiritual journey. There's, there's the truth of the gospel, and then there's all these other things that you are listening to and buying into that are not the gospel, but they sound really good. And so you need to be clear about who you are whose you are, why it matters, and what it means, because at the end of the day, the gospel you believe determines the disciple you become. I think you've heard that before. The gospel you believe determines the disciple you become. So let me kind of drop something out here. It sounds really harsh, but just sit with it for a second. If it's true that the gospel you believe determines the disciple you become, then if you believe a false gospel, you become a fake disciple. Wow. So Paul says, whoa, 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 back up. Hold on. We're going to go after this thing, and right out of the gate in Colossians chapter 1, Paul offers this prayer where he prays for the church, one of the best prayers recorded by Paul. There's a lot of prayers in the scriptures uh, that are recorded by Paul. Ephesians has a couple that are awesome. This one's incredible. I'm going to read it for us. We're going to read it together. Uh, for, uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. You can follow along on the screen as well, I believe. He says this, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father 
he is, he, for he has enabled you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us, check this out, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And then Paul launches into an incredible revelation about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who he is, the deity that he holds, all of this understanding that he is the head of the church, which is his body, verse 18. He is supreme over all so that he is first in everything. So Paul says, we're going to go after this thing. You need to understand in whom you have placed your faith and the implications of that on your life. So he says, we're going to dig into this idea. Understand that in Jesus Christ, you have been moved from this kingdom of darkness into this kingdom of light. Those are two very opposite kingdoms. Not just in terms of the language, darkness and light, but they are opposite in terms of their purpose, their objectives, how they work in the lives of those who are members of those kingdoms. And so Paul says, listen, you were once in the kingdom of darkness, but now you have been moved into the kingdom of light. We hear a lot about the kingdom of God, but sometimes we listen to that and say, what in the world does that even mean? So let's kind of break that down a little bit, and let's talk about this idea of, so what is a kingdom? What's a kingdom? We say, well, what is the kingdom of God? What does that even mean that I'm a member of it? A kingdom, in its most simple and basic form, a kingdom is the domain, <coughs> excuse me, the domain under the reign and the rule of the king. Like, hello. Like, wow, that's it. A kingdom is any and all domains under the rule and the reign of the king. So we get that in the earthly standpoint, obviously. There were millions of people a few, year, a few weeks ago who watched the coronation of King Charles, right? And so King Charles is the king of the commonwealth, the United Kingdom. And there are some right now who are saying, well, we're not so sure we like that anymore. We might want to pull out of that commonwealth. Well, so be it. But as of right now, anything under the reign and rule of King Charles is King Charles' kingdom. That's just the way it is. He's the king. So he sits on the throne and he gets all dressed up to show you his pomp and his power and his significance. Any domain under the rule and reign of the king, that's the kingdom. So when it says that we have been moved into the kingdom of God, that means we are now living under the rule and the reign of the king, and the king is God. Wow. So now let's break that down even a little bit more. So anything under the rule and reign of the king is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of the heart. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of the heart. Really, really clear that you understand that. The heart is not that, that, you know, we have a heart that is that kind of pumping organ in our chest that moves our blood. It's not that. The heart, in the spiritual context, the heart 
is the affections. It's the seat of your affections. It's your allegiances. It's your ambition. So when we talk in the the context of put your whole heart into it, right? We're not saying, hey, come on, pull that thing out. No, no, we're saying give it your all, right? Like, come on, show some ambition. Play like you mean it, right? Oh, I love you with all my heart. Yes, but also I really, all of my affection is devoted to you. Your heart is your affections, your allegiances, your ambitions. And so God's kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. Jesus, I'm going to give you some scriptures. Jesus in John chapter 18, Jesus is standing before Pilate. And Pilate says, so are you really the king of the Jews? And Jesus' response is this. Check it out. He says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Wow. They really thought it was going to be. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were then my followers would be fighting to keep you from doing what you're about ready to do to me. Well, if you push your head a little bit, Jesus finds himself in the garden being betrayed, and one of his followers named Peter decides, I am going to fight, so he pulls out a sword and he whacks somebody's ear off with it, right? And Jesus says, time out. That's not my kingdom. That's not what I'm about. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. So you don't, it, it's not about that. My kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. It's not of this world. So the kingdom of God is not advanced by us somehow electing our favorite politician to the office that we think they need to be in in order to advance the kingdom of God. That's not it. It's not a political kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's not this kingdom of, of economics that says if you get the right rules in place somehow. No, it's the, how does God's kingdom advance? God's kingdom advances as hearts are changed. Right? So God says, my kingdom is the kingdom of the heart. Where do I want to sit enthroned in your life? I want to sit enthroned on the seat of your affections, your ambitions, your allegiances. That's where I want to be enthroned is on your heart because that's my kingdom. And so later... Check this out. Later in 1 Peter chapter 3, the guy who pulls out a sword and whacks off somebody's ear later comes to realize how true Jesus' kingdom is and he responds and he writes to this church in 1 Peter and he says this, that in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of the heart. So therefore, kind of continuing to track what that means then is when it comes to the kingdom of God, It's not only about you being in God's kingdom, it's also about God's kingdom being in you. And that's where it gets tough. Because we're all, we get all excited about, wow, hallelujah, I've been moved into the kingdom of God. And then you read the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus preaches this incredible sermon and he says, hey, that's cool. I'm glad you're in the kingdom. But let's talk about whether whose kingdom is really in you. Oh, do we have to? Seriously? I thought this was going to be a party. Jesus is like, oh, let's, let's just look at your heart. So let's then pull back and let's go to, back to Colossians chapter 1. Because in Colossians chapter 1 in this prayer, Paul 
gives us, what does it mean, how does it look for God to really be sitting on the throne of your life, enthroned as king over all the domains of what used to be your kingdom? Wow. What does it mean for you to actually hand your kingdom over to him? What does that look like? So Paul says this. Here's my prayer, Colossians chapter 1, real quickly. I'm going to read it one more time, verse 9. He says this, I am praying that I'm asking God to give you complete knowledge of his will. Many of us as believers in Jesus Christ, one of our biggest questions is, so how do I know God's will? Right? So Paul says, right out of the gate, I'm praying that you'll have complete knowledge of that. Who wouldn't want that? Right? If you're a follower of Jesus, like, yeah, I'd love to have a complete knowledge of his will. But yeah, that could, that, could, that could make things a little better. So he said, I'm asking for that. I want you to be completely aware and knowing God's will. And then I want you so that the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Always? So now it's not just that I know God's will. Now I'm actually doing God's will. Wow, there's an idea, Right? Thank you, Lord, for telling me what to do. Now I have everything within me that says, I want to do that. And so strengthen me because in my own strength, I am weak. This is hard. I can't do it. it this is like impossible. And he's like, you don't have to do this. I'm going to strengthen you with my glorious power so that I will be first. Paul, Paul says, so that God will be first in all things. So check this out. Uh, on your paper, you have this, this little chart I'm going to fill that in for you because here's the deal. What does it mean for us to actually move? And I know this might be a little challenging to see, so I'll talk, I'll talk us through it. So just kind of follow along on your paper if you want to. So what does it mean for us to be on this spiritual journey where God moves us into him truly being the king over us in his kingdom? What does that look like? What's this, how, how does God work in our lives by his spirit? So here's the thing. We all know, no matter what kingdom you're talking about, whether you're talking about an earthly kingdom like King Charles, or whether you're talking about a spiritual heavenly kingdom like King Jesus, it doesn't matter whose kingdom you're talking about. There are four common denominators in every kingdom. In every kingdom, here's how it goes. Whose will gets done? In the kingdom, whose will gets done? The king, right? In the kingdom, the king's will gets done whose way? The king's way. By whose power does the will get done? The king's power. And when all is said and done, who gets the glory for everything that's been accomplished? The king. Because after all, he's the king of the kingdom, right? The whole kingdom is somehow all about the king. So here's how it works in our lives. So we're born into this world. Genesis chapter 3 says we were born into this world. Sin came into the world. God created Adam and Eve. Satan came along and said, who needs God? You can't trust him. He's deceiving you. If you just follow me and, and blow that off and disobey and do it, he, you're not really going to die. Come on. Give it a shot. So they do. They give it a shot. And they died. 
Not physically, but they died spiritually. Now they're living with this spiritual independence because Satan has somehow convinced them that if they will somehow become independent of the God who created them, they can have their own kingdom. Right? So now like, whoa, this is cool. So I don't know how long it took for Adam and Eve's kingdoms to clash. Probably as soon as Adam discovered Eve had tricked him. Who knows? But here's how it works now. Every one of us are born into this kingdom of darkness where it's like, who needs God? I'm the king of my kingdom, right? So in my kingdom, it is my will, and my will is done. Come on, help me out. My way, by whose power? My power, and who gets all the glory for that? That's me, my glory, because after all, I am the king of my kingdom. And it's called the kingdom of me. Now, if you don't think that's true, how many of you have ever spent time with more than one two-year-old in the room? Seriously. Now, you got to have more than one in order for this to work, right? If you really want to see the kingdom of darkness lived out in the flesh, you need more than one two-year-old in a room together. But once you get them there, you know how it goes, right? They're totally content playing with the toy they have until they see somebody else playing with the toy that they want. Right? And all of a sudden, I am totally discontent. I got to have that. And after all, I am the king of the kingdom of me. It is my will, my way, by my power, for my glory. I will get what I want. By hook or by crook, I'll get it. And so the little two-year-old looks up and says, okay, my new mission is that toy. And here's how it usually goes. Grab and shove. <laughs> am, I, am I not telling you the truth? Any, any parents of two-year-olds? I mean, you had two-year-olds? Grandparents, you've been? Yeah, that's how it works. It's grab and shove. And all of a sudden, oh, what are you doing? Oh, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. We all get that. Yeah. And here's the deal. As a parent, you're freaking out because you're like, no, that is not the way we act. Right? And then you're like, wait a second. You obviously got your dad's DNA. <laughs> right? And the dad's like, yeah, that's my mother-in-law right there. <laughs> it's coming out. Here's the deal. Even though you're freaking out, and you're like, what in the world is going on? It dawns on you, where did you learn that? Right? And then you're like, actually, I don't think I taught them that. I'm trying to teach them how to what? Share. Be kind. Be nice. Sharing is, hello, hello, yeah. Sharing is caring. Like, how did you learn that? They didn't have to learn it. It's in their heart. We are born with this kingdom reigning and ruling in our hearts. 
And God says, that is not the way I want. That is not my original intent. That is not the plan. There is a better way. And so somebody comes along and says, yes, there is a better way. What you need to do is you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ who can transform you, who can move you from darkness into light through his death on the cross. If you believe in Jesus, you can be forgiven. You can have new life. You can begin living a better way. And you can begin doing what God wants you to do. Like, oh, I've been looking for that all my life. Yeah, sign me up. Put my faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to live my life after God's will. So now my, my, the kingdom is marked by, wow, I've given my life to Jesus. So now the desire of my heart, the ambition of my heart is to do what God wants. So now it's God's will that is most important in my life. And God says, I'm so glad you've come to realize that. Thank you for that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love your neighbor. Hold on. Hold on. Who's my neighbor? Well, anybody, everybody, right? Like people who are like you, who aren't like you. People who agree with you, who don't agree with you. People who vote the way you do, who don't vote the way you do. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. If we're going to do, God, what you want, you need to understand, I will do what you want, but I'm going to do it my way. I will love some of my neighbors, but there's a bunch of them that just aren't lovable. Not even their mother, I think, could love them. <laughs> They're just too far out. It's just too hard. It's just not going to happen. I'm all about doing what you want as long as you understand it's going to be done my way. And somehow God, by his spirit, works in your life, and you come to realize, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. You've got to live God, your life God's way if you want the full blessing of God in your life. And so you say, oh, great. Wow, I get it now. All right. Then here's the deal. I will now do life God's way. And if I do life God's way, he will somehow give me what I want. Right? All right, I'm going to do life God's way. Because that's how I'm going to get my will accomplished. Wow. So doing God's will my way, that's progressive theology. Doing God, life God's way but getting what I want, that's pr prosperity theology. Wow. And so we're like, wow, how's this working for you? Well, it's not really working. But here's what I can tell you. When push comes to shove, and you want to talk about whose power as it work in this kingdom, it's shared power because we are all in this together. It's me and Jesus. I got a bumper sticker on my car. God is my co-pilot, right? Well, that's the first problem. Move him over. Give him the car. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. It's also about shared glory because when we do this, as long as everything goes great and we're successful, look what I've done. Thank you, God, for helping me. But if it goes south, we know who's to blame for that, right? That's on God. He let me down. Point to him. Don't, don't, that's not me. 
I did, God's, I did it God's way, and look where that got us. Right? And so then, what the Holy Spirit does is say, you know what, if you really want the fullness of God's blessing, if you really want to know what it means to live in fullness in the kingdom of God, you have got to fully surrender your life to God with nothing held back. Wow. And so the pathway to your greatest blessing potentially becomes your greatest barrier. Because what if I lose control? What if I don't get my way anymore, right? What if God asks me to do something I don't want? Like love my neighbor who I can't stand. Like honor him with my wealth. Like seriously, can we talk about that? This is my money. He's like, no, no. Here's what I want. I want you to come to the place where it's God's will, God's way, by God's power who works within me. And when all is said and done, who gets the glory? God. Wow. Wow. Paul says, that's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you will come to a complete knowledge of God's will so that the way you live will always honor and please the Lord because of its consistency. And that you will be strengthened with God's glorious power because it is hard and in fact without him it's impossible. And your life will in all ways reflect the glory of God. Wow. So there's no greater national military hero for Britain other greater than this guy named Lord Horatio Nelson. Lord Horatio Nelson was known for his brilliance, his determination, his military acumen. I mean, he was kind of off the charts, won battles. He was also known as a guy who was cordial and kind and courteous to those whom he defeated. So Lord Horatio Nelson was known as the guy who would kick your tail and then give you a hug, right? Like, oh, hi. So, so in the 18th century, in one of the Napoleonic Wars, Lord Horatio Nelson defeated the French Navy. After the defeat, the admiral of the French Navy pulled his vessel up next to Nelson's, Lord Nelson's. He walked over the gangplank, boarded Nelson's vessel, in all of his regalia, strode across the ship, stood before Lord Nelson thinking, all right, yeah, the guy won, but I know he's going to be kind to me. He's going to, yeah, he's a good guy. So he just sticks out his hand to like shake hands, right? Thinking, I know what you're going to do. He's smiling. Yeah, okay. And Lord Nelson doesn't say a thing. He just stands there. Nothing. Finally, Lord Horatio Nelson looks at the French admiral dressed in all of his regalia with his sword swinging at his side, looks at him and says, your sword first. 
So legend would say that the French admiral then kneels down, places his sword on the deck of that vessel, and then extends his hand. And with that, Lord Nelson took his hand, and it was over. There are people in this room, if you're being really honest, God is saying to you, your sword first. You got your hands stuck out like, oh, I know Jesus loves me. He'll be, yeah, and that's true. He does love you. He is good. He is kind. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is all of that. But he is also the king of the kingdom. He's the winner. He's the victor. He's the one who has fought the battle and won. And we come before him not in haughtiness, but in humility. And he says, your sword first. So today, some of us need to actually come before the Lord and lay down our sword and say, my rival kingdom is handed over. Now, here's the deal. We lay down our sword. And then God says, you want to do, you want, you, you want to do what I want? Well, here's what I want. Whoa, 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 whoa. So then we pick it back up, right? Whoa, hold on. You can't go there. You can't go there. Well, I'm the king. No, 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 no. So we fight for our kingdom. And then we put it back in and say, I don't understand what's wrong with me. Like, why am I having such a hard time with this Christian thing? And then God's like, I can tell you, your sword, lay down your sword of your rival kingdom, your power, your power, lay it down. And you do. And then God says, now, now that I'm really the king of the kingdom, now I can fully use you and bless you in abundant ways that will blow your mind. So just real quickly, I want you just to bow your heads right there where you are. And if you're here this morning and God is speaking to you and you hear him whispering in your ear, your sword first, your sword first. You've been too busy glad-handing the Lord, hoping that he would be okay with you doing his will your way. Or that somehow if you did his way, then he would give you what you want. Your will could be done. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's got to go. Lay it all down. Surrender to me and allow me to be the king of your kingdom. So Lord, right now, as we're here in this moment, we want to give ourselves to you with nothing held back. So speak to us, work in us and through us to accomplish your plan in our lives. Here's what I want you to do. If God has spoken to you and you're like, this is my day, this is my time to surrender my kingdom, my rival kingdom to the Lord, I need to lay down my sword. I need to lay it down. Because at the end of the day, here's the question. So whose kingdom are you in and whose kingdom is in you? It's not just about you being in God's kingdom. It's about God's kingdom being in you. So I'm going to lay this sword right here. And if you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor Richard, this is my day to lay down my sword and fully surrender myself to Jesus with nothing held back. Every domain of my kingdom is handed over. I'm going to ask you just to get up from where you are, come down the center aisle, step over the sword. Please don't step on the sword. I need to use it again. So step over the sword and just stand up here. We're going to have a closing prayer together. It's as simple as that. 
It's you taking your active, intentional step to say, I want to be all in with Jesus, fully surrendered to him. He is the king of the kingdom, and I'm just simply living under his authority. So stand up with me if you would. I'm not going to take long to do this. If God has spoken to you, I'm just going to ask that you, if you want to, if God has spoken to you and called you out, step over the sword as your representation of laying it down and then find a place we're going to, we're going to pray together. I would just ask you if you're on the sides, kind of go around and come down the middle, take a few minutes, step out as God directs you, and then we're going to pray together. by the sword. Whatever you want to do as God speaks to you, if you want to lay down your sword, just lay it down. Find a place to stand over here where we can pray together. thank you. You know our hearts. Our hearts right now are crying out to you, oh God, oh God. We love you. Let's just start there. We love you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you that you welcome us in. Thank you that you don't hold anything against us or over our heads. Thank you, Lord, that you completely purify us. And Lord, the laying down of our sword today, the sword of our kingdom, our rival kingdom, our heart that sometimes rises up against you and your will and your way. We want to just lay that down. There is this one time laying down of the sword, but the reality is every day we have to then continue to keep it there, to keep it in submission. So Lord, today you be the king of the kingdom. We're just simply your people. We surrender ourselves to you with nothing held back. We give ourselves all in for you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you for who you are and how you work in our lives. Take us from this place today. Continue to work in us and work through us for your honor and for your glory. Lord, our prayer, our testimony, our commitment today as we walk out of this room is that we will do God's will, God's way, by his power that is at work within us, for his glory and honor, so that he might be first in everything. We love you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. 
Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.